Thanks for tuning into this episode. BBB presents News Junkie, featuring Catherine Nero, host of the Cincinnati Inquirer's Coffee Break with Catherine. BBB Sarah Kemmerer talks with Catherine about what it's like to work in a constantly evolving news cycle and the importance of sharing the untold positive stories from tri-state neighborhoods. Hello and welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Sarah. So as you know, I have to start out by asking, what is your favorite small business? I have so many favorite small businesses and not so shockingly, uh, a lot of them revolve around coffee. Uh, So Left Bank Coffee House in Covington is one of my very favorites, Um, as well as I also really enjoy Bunches of Bows in Fort Mitchell. It's just a cute little gift shop. If you got to go Um, and I, you know, just helping out small businesses, whether it's bakeries or gift shops or great coffee shops. I love it. You shook the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go ahead and dive in. So you've been working in media for over 20 years. How the heck did you get started? Um, It's, I actually got started when I was 15 years old. I was just telling the story. My daughter is in the process of getting her first uh, like real job, if you Mm -hmm. will. And when I was 15, I applied for an internship. I was, I've regaled her with this tale. She loves it. Um, I applied for an internship at a radio station. I always wanted to do media, TV, something, something where I was telling stories. And I was soundly rejected for this internship because I was 15. And the the news director of the radio station was like, "Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, as it turns out, every college kid she hired ended up saying, I don't want to go to work at four in the morning. And so that summer, I was like sixth or seventh down the line. She ended up calling me. She was like, all right. You're my last hope. Do you still want to do this? I'm like, sure. I didn't drive. My dad had to drive me to the radio station. At but, 4 a.m. Uh, at 4 a.m. He loved it. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it taught me a lot. Oh, first of all, work ethic. That's number mm-hmm. one. But also, I, you know, this was literally back in cut when cutting and pasting involved cutting pieces of paper as the wire printed off and we would tape them down and she would read them. But I would essentially be producing her newscast. And wow. I loved it. It was fun. Um, she, at the end of the internship, she's like, I can't believe this, but you did a great job. I'm like, thank you. So that was the start. Um, and then from there, um, I worked in college in our sports information department. I went to the university of Memphis and worked in the sports information department there, meaning I dealt a lot with media. So I dealt with all of the, um, the local television stations, their sports departments, got an internship there. My real goal, my first real goal was always to do sports. And that's what I started doing in Memphis, my hometown, right after I graduated. Um, and then I moved here to do the same thing um, and did sports for, I think, a total of five or so years. And then got the opportunity to, uh, five or so years in Cincinnati, and then got the opportunity to move to news, to do mornings. And at the time I was married. I had, um, you know, we were wanting to have kids and I'm like working nights and weekends and holidays, which is what sports, that's when sports happen. Um, that was going to be a situation where I knew it wasn't going to work. So, um, mornings, even though I was going to have to go back to waking up in the middle of the night, it was a much more forgiving schedule for, you know, family life. So Mm -hmm. that's how I got started. And I did that morning show for, for, uh, 15 years total in total 21 or so years in local television. Wow. So how did you come to Cincinnati all the way from Memphis? Um, so, okay, this is really taking it back. So this was way back when the Houston Oilers were moving to 
uh, Tennessee to become the Tennessee Titans. Got it. The, the stadium was not ready yet in, in Nashville. They mm-hmm. had to play in Memphis and no one was happy about it because Memphis wanted an NFL team. They were mad. Nashville wanted the NFL team. The players had to come to Memphis. Everybody was mad about it, but we got to cover it as a professional um, uh, NFL team. And it was yeah. awesome for, you know, 22 year old at the time to be able to do that. I loved it. Um, but the Cincinnati media folks came to Memphis for that game. And that's when I met Denny Jansen and, um, and my boss in Memphis was like, you need to apply for this job. They have an opening. So he basically forced my hand. I'm like, okay, like I was not seeking it out. And as it turned out, it was a great decision, but wow, um, it's all happenstance. And you've been in the tri-state since ever since. Yep. I consider myself a a native, even though I'm not, I'm I'm that person (laughs) now who I can they say, hey, I went, I say, where'd you go to school? And I, I can like kind of navigate the six degrees of separation. So as long as it's Northern Kentucky, I got that covered. Then you always come right back to, to, to the tri-state. You got it. You got it. So, I mean, it sounds like that you've juggled many jobs over the last 20 years. And I know that right now you're also juggling many different types of jobs. So what is your current job title slash job titles? If you yes. Will. So my main job is with the Cincinnati Enquirer. And um, they came to me about three years ago and were like, hey, we want to tell stories. They do a wonderful job of telling stories, but they wanted to do it in a platform that was not just your typical, you know, mobile platform or, you know, online in a newspaper, those sorts of things. And so they were like, we want to tell these stories on video on Facebook. And so that's how I started. So we started, it was just an experiment for a couple of months, went well. And here I am three years later with Coffee Break with Catherine. It's every weekday on uh, the Inquirer's Facebook page. And so that's my main job there. I also do um, a newsletter for the Inquirer and a weekend video of stuff going on. I make my kids work on that one. Um, and I write a column uh, for the Inquirer every week as well. So my, you know, kind of jobs have expanded there and I've loved it because mm-hmm. honestly, my very favorite thing is writing. I like writing as much as I like anything. And I really love the opportunity to be able to do that. And broadcast writing and print writing are two completely different things. Um, and it, so it takes different parts of your brain to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. And I love that. But that's like the primary uh, job. But then in addition to that, the folks at the Enquirer have just been phenomenal in letting me kind of branch out and do other things. So I do, I host a podcast and do some contributor work for the uh, Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. Um, and so you check that out as well after you listen to this one, of course. Of course. Um, Northern Kentucky Spotlight. Um, and uh, I also do, uh, you know, some people might call it influencer work, but I like to call it content creation. So I take my news background and and do stories or posts or long form videos, we call them packages in television on specific businesses. And so businesses will hire me to do that. Um, and that's been a, just a blast because I get to tell fun stories, stories that they want to be told. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, I do camera consultation. So uh, just like you know, a year ago, we were all like, hey, we better figure out how to do this Zoom thing. Uh, I had started already and that really kind of ramped it up. So what I do is individual and and group uh, consultations and trainings on how to look and feel your best and most comfortable on camera. Because, um, and I know what I always tell folks is that sounds like, oh, you know, you have to be gorgeous and wear all this makeup. No, it's just about projecting that image that, you know, so often we would do in person, the firm handshake, the eye contact, all of those things that 
that are so important in business life and in corporate, mm-hmm. in the corporate world, we're having to figure that out on camera now. And so that's just another barrier that I um, like to help break down because I think that coming across on camera, comfortable and confident is truly right now, maybe one of the most important business skills that somebody can come up with. Video's not going anywhere. This mm-hmm. Zoom situation, it's not going anywhere. It's only ramping up. Yes. And so it's not like, oh, COVID's over, which it's not, but let's, you know, it's, it's on the right. downturn. So we're going to go back to in-person. I foresee, tra- I mean, business travel's not back yet. And, you know, board meetings and meetings that involve a lot of different people in a lot of different time zones, this is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So you might as well put your best, as I like to say, best face forward when you do it. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite piece of advice that I've ever been given, like for camera work is just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fake it. No one knows exactly what they're doing. Oh, uh, you nobody know, so, does. Yeah. For, for <laughs> a, a long time, I was using uh, underneath my laptop cottage cheese containers just to get it up high enough. I'm still using an Amazon <laughs> box. Like I'm not, this isn't like, there's not like fancy equipment that's necessary. It's just about tweaking what you have to make yourself to present your best self in the same mm-hmm. way. I always tell folks like, you know how, when you do a presentation, you have that presentation voice, like it's just a little bit better than your regular speaking voice. That's the same thing as uh, on camera presence. Just, it's just a little bit better than opening up that laptop and and hitting send, you know, so Mm -hmm. just a little bit better. That's awesome. Thanks so much for giving all this advice. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. BBB is now accepting applications for the 2021 Spark Awards. This annual program is for exceptional entrepreneurs, business leaders, and startup founders 35 years and younger, and business owners of any age with businesses established within the last 36 months. Does your business promote character, culture, and community? Visit sparkcincy.org, that's Cincy with a Y, to apply today. So to kind of go back to um, talking about how you got started and what you're doing now, um, I creeped a little bit and I saw that in your LinkedIn profile, you state that you're a quote, recovering morning news anchor, which I just find hilarious. So how is this journey to recovery going? Well, I mean, you know, I think in any job that you have, you think you start to, it's like the, the, um, the blinders are on and you're like, this is the most important thing. And, and nothing, you know, what, what do you mean you don't watch the morning news? Like, I, we started at 4.30 in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I, I still to this day think if I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, there is no way I'm turning on a television. But in my mind back in the day, I'm like, well, of course, why wouldn't you? Um, right. So so I, I think that the news provides, television news provides just an amazing opportunity for real live video. You get to see something that's happening at the moment it's happening. And I don't think that situation is going anywhere. However, numbers tell the story that people are not watching news uh, live, especially as much as they have been. Um, I think that television needs to pivot a little bit. I think that that's um, a problem that even when it moves into the digital space, uh, it is not providing a different type of storytelling. It is providing Mm -hmm. television storytelling in a digital space. That's not the same thing. Um, so the recovering part of the news anchor is I think that there are different ways to tell stories in the same manner that um, the Inquirer has allowed me to tell their reporter stories in a, in a video type manner. I'm not out reporting the stories. I'm gathering their information and then disseminating it in a different way. I think that that's, um, that, again, storytelling's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Finding the news, the news is not, is always going to be important. It's just the platform 
may change a little bit. The mechanism, the length of time, the, the manner in which you get it, the time of day you get it, all of those things um, are, are changing. And so mm -hmm. uh, the, the mindset that I had as a news anchor and the mindset that I have as a non-news anchor, the way I gather, the way I consume news is vastly different. And I think it's hard for somebody in the mix, in any job, to imagine that their business, their company, their industry is not, you know, so wonderful. I, and it, I think there's a million upsides to it, but I think that there needs some tweaking. Mm -hmm. Well, and now you have like the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. Like you can get it on social media. You can get it. You can get recordings afterwards. You can watch video whenever you want. Um, you have, you have news channels that are just solely based on news. Right. You don't just have the morning and evening news. So yeah, everyone consumes it differently. That's exactly it. And so, and, and to that end, um, you think of something like YouTube. I, I think of it as a video platform. Many people look at it as a search engine. Uh, mm -hmm. When my kids want to learn how to do something, I'm a, I'm a reader. Like I want to see the directions. How do I fix my dryer? Well, you, you know, I'm going to, I want, you to have the manual there. They want to watch a video about it. And so again, this goes back to the inquirer's theory on let's present news on a different platform in a different manner. There are different ways of learning and of, um, of gleaning information. And I mm -hmm. think that when you speak to people in these different ways, it's kind of a layered effect. So the effect, so that the, the facts and the, the information can get across no matter which way you learn best. Oh yeah. Oh, I just find this whole, like where the news is going. I find it yeah. so fascinating. I do too. And I'm curious where it's going next. I don't think any of us know. <laughs> no one knows. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we both know that working in the media, that like no two days are ever the same, which has its ups and its downs. What does like a typical work day or even like a work week look like for you? That's maybe what I like most about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that there are some people who need that routine and who need sameness and who arrive at work at 8.03 every day and it's exactly the same and they leave at the same time. That is not me. Um, and news is in, inherently just a, you know, it's, it happens all, all across the 24 hour cycle. But for me, I have kind of the best of both worlds. So the beginning part of my day is pretty structured. So I get up, I get ready for my Facebook live, mm -hmm. which is at 10 o'clock every day. So I look through the headlines on Cincinnati.com and other uh, websites just to see, okay, what am I going to talk about today? And because it is a, um, it, it's a visual platform, but at the same time, I'm not showing video more often than not. It's just me talking. Sometimes that dictates what kind of stories you're going to pick. If there's a great image um, and I'm live out somewhere, I can't show you that image. So I pick stories according to how it'll be played best, you know, in whatever platform I'm using that day. Sometimes I'm virtual, like to this morning, I was virtual at home and I, you know, was able to show graphics and images and such. Sometimes I'm out and about like I'll be at the art museum tomorrow. So like those sorts of things. So I won't be able to do that. But what that allows me to do is tell stories again in a different way. So I get ready for that. I go through the headlines. I figure out what I want to talk about. I send um, all the information off to uh, the group that I work with at the Inquirer. I head out to my location and I'm live at 10 o'clock. And then after that, I'll post on social media on various different platforms. Like, hey, here's what I talked about today. Here's how you can watch it. And then um, after that is when it, it can be anything. It could be podcast interview. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to uh, go to a site uh, to write one of my About Us columns. Um, and so, uh, you know, in doing an interview for a print version is vastly different than doing interview for a video story. So mm -hmm. that's always fun. 
Um, you know, and there's all kinds of different things. Sometimes it might be, uh, you know, the beauty of, of my schedule now is it's very flexible. So I might be taking a kid to a rehearsal or picking one up from school or whatever it is, and then working a little bit more at night. But mainly um, it's, you know, I'd say the majority of it right now is, is my work for the Inquirer and for the Chamber. And then additionally for myself uh, yeah. and the website, CatherineNero.com that I put together that has a blog and that's where I kind of house my um, consulting and content creation. And so there's a lot of different hands in the pot, but it's been, uh, it's been fun to do. No two days are ever the same. I was just about to say, like, <laughs> like really, no two days are ever the yeah, same. It's vastly different. You start your day by, you know, sharing stories about what the Inquirer has to, what articles that they posted, um, certain small businesses or whatnot in the tri-state. So and I know that you love meeting like new people every day and telling their stories. So how do you choose what stories to cover every day and like who to interview with? Um, the interviews are interesting. The way I like to structure them. So I, I talk about news headlines at the beginning of my Facebook live and then I interview someone and you've been one of those interviews. I have, yes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so the interviews, I like to choose, sure, things that are noteworthy and newsworthy and, and are an interesting in-person interview or something visual, a tour of something, that kind of thing. But also I like, to choose places that may not get coverage elsewhere. That's my favorite ones. So, the, you know, I was just live um, at a, a coffee shop uh, in uh, Silverton that's opening, that's gonna be run by people with disabilities through the uh, Ken Anderson Alliance. Mm -hmm. That's, a, a, maybe that'll be covered when it opens, maybe, but maybe not. Or maybe, you know, a fundraiser or a, a, a youth uh, theater organization last week that just does an amazing job. Um, and keeps kids busy and active over the summer. And yeah, that's not going to make your, you know, the, it's not going to be the lead in the right. news, but it's interesting to people. And I think that because I don't have a, a finite time frame the way a television news show does, you've got 30 minutes, that's what you got. And you got to keep people watching that whole time. So it better be interesting and it better be quick. I'm not held to those same parameters. So I can go as long as I want. It's, it's Facebook. If, you know, it can be as long or as short as you want. And as far as the headlines go, you know, if there's an important headline that's, you know, dark and terrible and, you know, horrific, sure, I'll absolutely talk about it. Um, but for the most part, people are not coming to my 10 a.m. Facebook Live for all of the headlines of the day. That's not what they're there for. They know mm -hmm. them. I'm going to pick ones that I can give context and perspective to. And I think that that's what separates, um, you know, reading something on Twitter from understanding it from a news anchor or a reporter is that content and for our context and perspective. So those are the stories that I like to pick. Some of them are just like, I really just want to talk about them because I think they're awesome. Right. Uh, but sometimes it's, Hey, uh, you know, maybe this is something you don't fully grasp, but I've had this experience. Let me explain to you how this works or why this is important. So that's kind of my thought process there. Yeah. And a lot of it is, it's very community based too. It's all localized. Um, I find that so interesting. I want to know what's happening down the street for me. And I think that, I mean, the, the inquire in general, but that's what your show brings to light in the community and the neighborhoods of Cincinnati. I have been, um, you know, really impressed with not just the stories that are, uh, that are reported by our reporters, at the inquire, but also just the breadth of the, of 
the areas that we're covering and the stories that again, you might not see in other outlets, but because mm-hmm. it's digital, there isn't a finite number, you know, back when you, and we, people still get the paper. I totally understand that. Um, but the physical paper had a finite number of inches. Like you can only fit this much news in mm-hmm. the, a newscast has a finite number of minutes. You can only fit so much news in digital reporting allows you to cover things that you're like, okay, you know what? This is slightly interesting. I think it's interesting. Let's see if other people do. And I'm telling you, it's remarkable how sometimes the tiniest little mention, the tiniest little story, because the beauty of digital news is that you get to see exactly how many people clicked on it, you yeah. know, how long they spent reading that story, and you know where they went next when afterwards. <laughs> and so um, it's remarkable that sometimes the tiniest little story, Timothy Chalamet wearing a Reds cap, that, I mean, that, that blew, blew up. up, blew up the tiniest little thing sometimes. And yeah, is that the most important thing that day? No. But is it what you're going to talk about to somebody when you meet them at the bar that night? Maybe. Absolutely. So I think that's absolutely important. Yeah. And it makes people happy. And I mean, you, so you, you talked, you've always been interested in news. I'm a news junkie as well. Um, but a lot of people of my friends specifically yeah. who are also in their early twenties, they actively avoid watching the news because it's quote too depressing. So like, mm-hmm. do you agree with them on this stuff and how do you choose to overcome this? I think it can be, it can be depressing. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that, that it's hard sometimes when you're in the weeds to understand that what you're putting out there is not just story, 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 story. Here's, you know, five stories. It's wait, you just talked for three and a half minutes about crime. So that gives you the impression that Cincinnati is this crime ridden area. And maybe on that day that were, that was true. But it, we need to look at it as a big picture, I think, as, as you're looking at a news program or just in general, what is it that you're putting across uh, and what's the impression that you're giving? And, and, you know, a lot of emphasis has been put here recently on, on video and like, what are we showing when we say this is a terrible area? Who are mm-hmm. we showing? What is their race? What is their gender? What are they doing? Are like we implying that because these people are walking across the street that they are the people that are, you know, causing this crime or whatever it might be. And crime's just the start, um, you know, and, and, you know, when COVID was really, really um, strong and that was what we were all talking about. And honestly, that's what we were all talking about. But sometimes, especially during that time, I heard a lot of people say that same thing. I can't watch the news anymore. It's all so depressing. I'm sitting mm-hmm. home. I don't need to know all this stuff. Uh, and I think there has to be, if not counter-programming, there has to be an allowance for people who are like, look, I, I get it. This is important. And I'm hundred percent on board with all of these scientific facts and figures. And here's what we're going to, we're going to follow the rules, but I also got to hear about something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times um, it, it's just about, I don't think we're looking at a big picture. We're looking at it as individual stories. Like it's an important story. And so is this one. And so is this one. And so is this one. But as mm-hmm. a, as a whole, it does get kind of depressing sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's why those like community focused articles or people that you interview or those random tidbits of information, those, those positive ones, they do so well is because yeah. people really hone in, they focus on that. They think it's fun to share, um, to kind of like clear out your feed and do maybe yeah. like a timeline cleanse. It's a palate cleanser. <laughs> I like exactly it's like a sorbet. Yes. Oh, right. I like that. <laughs> Um, so for many people out there, public speaking is like their worst nightmare, um, especially when you have to improvise for the majority of your job. So what excites you about storytelling very much in the public eye? 
Um, well, first of all, I want to say, I, uh, I said this all the time and I believe this in my heart of hearts. I have spent my entire adult life on camera. That's hundred percent true. However, I would go speak at sixth grade classrooms and would still get nervous. So this is not something that is like, and by the way, sixth grade, if you can speak in front of sixth graders, you got it. You, you can do anything. You can do anything. But um, you have to remember, like when you're looking at a camera, you're the only person there. Sometimes there's a person behind the camera, maybe somebody sitting to your left or right. That's about it though. Um, so you're not in front of the crowd. So it is a different animal. So for most people, public speaking or speaking on, um, on a Zoom or a Facebook Live, Instagram Live, something like that can be frustrating. But for me, the, what I always remember and what, I, what has been ingrained in me since the very, very beginning is you, you unlike when we would write five paragraph essays in school mm -hmm. and we wanted to use the biggest, baddest words we could, and we wanted them flowery and long and run on sentences and all of this, it is exactly the opposite when you're talking about video. It's conversational, it's short sentences. They say you write it to an eighth grade level. Um, and it's just, it's essentially getting the point across in a very active verb way. So like subject, verb, predicate, and just speaking in a manner that will not confuse people. So this is not the time in public speaking to uh, wax poetic or try to make yourself sound as smart as possible. Right. If the point is to get across what whatever your presentation is, or um, if you're making a speech, whatever the purpose of that speech is, or in my case, telling stories, I try to tell them in the way that I would tell a neighbor or a friend, uh, because that's the way that they're going to be understood most easily. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where um, the faster you share something, as uh, if you can get straight to the point, right. then people are going to to intake your content faster and then your ratings and your numbers will probably do better as opposed to those like long flowery exactly. messages. There's the thing that television may have taught me the most besides the value of under eye concealer is Agreed. how to get to the point quickly. I could like the most important story on God's green earth, you could get down to 20 seconds, no doubt. And all the pertinent information is there. Is every bit of information there? Is every detail and every every uh, street address or whatever? No, no, but you don't need that. That's not what you need in that moment. Um, and so that's also the difference in telling a story on video or on audio and reading one, which is mm -hmm. gonna require a whole lot more detail. So speaking of storytelling, beautiful transition, um, you have your own website that you mentioned earlier, katherineiro.com. Um, earlier, you talked about these like camera consultations, these one-on-ones. Is that where people can find information about those programs that you offer? Yes, that's the best way. And I kind of try to explain them as well as I could there because some people are like, what? I don't understand what this is. Right. There's actually a blog post called, why do I need a camera coach? And it's interesting because that's the one, again, I love data, uh, the insights from uh, Google. Thank you, analytics. Thank you, you analytics. You see where people are clicking and you get to see what they're, you know, where they go next. So I, I can see that people are like, I don't like, you're, I don't understand why this could help me. They read that and it's like, oh, okay. And so then they go back to my contact form. So uh, yeah, that's the way to do it. And, um, you know, I've met with everybody from authors to CEOs to uh, people kind of uh, branching out in a different industry, real estate agents, you name it. And all of them just wanting, knowing the value of video right now and how to best get across their their point, their presentation, their on-air or on-Zoom presence, however mm -hmm. you want to position that. Wow. Gosh, I, I really hope that everyone who listens to this 
checks out your website. I do too. That would be awesome. <laughs> that information is so critical right now. Um, and lastly, where else can people find you online? Uh, so I more often than not am on Instagram. That's my favorite. Um, that's my favorite uh, social media platform. I do like LinkedIn though, too. I think that that, you know, for anyone out there wondering like, okay, how do I kind of further my digital presence? I need to do a better job there, but uh, it is right for the picket. There's so many opportunities there in the business world to not just connect, but to have your, whether it's your, what you're sharing, a link, you're sharing a blog post, your expertise the way the algorithm works on that platform is so interesting that you can reach way more people than probably any other one. Mm -hmm. um, but I also still like Facebook. I think Facebook is the best for live. The, what, what I do for the inquirer, I think it's the best platform for that, but I like Instagram because it's, it's friendly and I like seeing pictures and those sorts mm -hmm. of things, but those are, that's uh, pretty much it, between Instagram, my website, Facebook and LinkedIn. That's, that's where I land. One of the four. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank awesome. you, Peg. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm Sarah Kemmer with your local Better Business Bureau, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.